1: Can every troubled marriage be saved? Well, actually, I believe they can if two, things, if two things happen, and both of them have to. The first is that the person, well, actually both of them, both of them have to do, both of them have to stop doing, I'll get that right, both of them have to stop doing the things that are destroying the marriage. And the second thing, both of them have to start doing the things that can make the marriage good again. Can that happen? Absolutely. We see it all the time. We work with marriages that other people have given up on, and they say there is no hope. As a matter of fact, many people who come to us and particularly those who come to our workshop come telling us that either sometimes my marriage counselor said that we have no hope or our minister or pastor said we have no hope or my family says they don't want me to stay in this marriage and why in the world am I doing that? I mean, we hear everything you can possibly imagine and the people walk in the door and a great number of the people who walk in the door of our three-day workshops are people where one spouse has come not to save the marriage but to get a better deal in the divorce or some other offer that has been made. And we see many of them, as a matter of fact, on average, three out of four, work it out and solve the problems and save the marriage and make it actually good again. But that means that one out of four do not. And those marriages don't make it. They wind up divorcing at some point. We actually also do an online program called Save My Marriage. If you ever want to look at that, go to our website, marriagehelper.com. That's marriagehelper.com. You can find about that. And in our online course, it's typically just one spouse, and it's the spouse that's wanting to save the marriage, and the other spouse does not. And this spouse then is asking questions. What do we do? And we teach all kinds of things that this person can do, and they do it. They learn. They put into practice the right things. They make the right things that they did wrong. And then they demonstrate remarkable love and patience and forgiveness. And yet, sometimes the other other mate doesn't respond. Maybe because they're involved with some other person, they're not willing to give up. Maybe because they're seeking a different lifestyle, one that they can't live if they stay married, or a number of other things that may lead them away. And so we get the question quite often, hey, I've been working on this for a year, two years, sometimes three years. And as I've done it, I've done everything you guys teach. I have prayed because I'm religious. I have done everything I know how to do in helping my children and so forth. And yet, and yet it appears that my spouse has no interest in coming back. Even sometimes we hear that story from people who say my spouse left me for another person. And that relationship is now over. But rather than coming home, he or she has now moved on either to A lifestyle quite unlike the one he or she used to live, or he or she's moved on to another person and then what do I do? Do I wait forever? Do I keep trying these things until finally, finally, finally the world comes to an end? No. No, I believe in fighting for marriages, and I applaud the people who stand strong and who do everything they know how to do to try to save their marriages. They fight hard, they do all these things, but Will I, even the one who believes that every marriage can be saved, if people do indeed stop doing the things, destroying the relationship and do the things that will actually make it good again, do I believe that sometimes it's time just to call it quits? To say that's it. There, there's no use to do this any longer. And the sad answer to that is yes. Yes, I think that sometimes that has to occur. And people look at me when I say that and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you are you telling me I should give up? Understand in the principles that I'm about to share with you that I'll be sharing principles, not hard facts. In other words, I can't give you a list. And if this happens, check it off. And if that happens, check that off. And when this third thing happens, check it off. And when that occurs, it's time you leave. It's not that clear cut. It has to be something that you decide for you as we regularly say, we will not tell you what to do because we don't have to live with your consequences. When I say we, I'm referring to all the people on this amazing team that I get to work with, but it also is very much applicable to me individually. I won't tell you what to do because I personally don't have to live with your consequences, but I will. I will share with you the principles You'll have to figure out how to apply those principles. And because this is a live call in program toward the end of the program, not tonight, if you're trying to make that decision, should I stay or should I go? And you want to ask some specific questions. Well, Dr. Beam, what about this? Or what about that? I'll be glad to help you think it through again, not telling you what to do, but to help you think it through so that you can see how the principles might apply in your particular situation. But may I share just a few of those principles as I began. Now, you must understand that I will not try in any shape, fashion, or form to change your religious beliefs, whatever they are. We have people often telling us, well, based on my understanding, and we have people who are Christians who interact with us and people who are of other religions and people who have no religion whatsoever at all. They just, you know, they don't have faith-based things for them, and they live their lives as agnostics or as atheists, and they say, do you help us too? Absolutely, I do. I'll help anybody, anybody try to save a marriage. I don't care what the religion is or isn't. But because of the fact that there are many, many people who contact us who are Christians, and who do live by that, and many of them are what we might refer to as conservative Christians, or or the ones who are more into the literal interpretation of the word of God, and they'll say, "But, but here's what my theology teaches, and are you telling me that I should violate my theology, and my response to that is, no, you do what you believe is right, and if the principles I teach start making you decide to do things that you believe are wrong, then ignore me because you've got to live with your beliefs and values as well. You have to believe with what you believe is right. Live by that. Now, if somebody wants to call in and say, well, can I discuss some scripture with you? I'll do it as best I can. (laughs) My undergraduate degree is in Bible. And back in the day, I used to be a minister. I am a Christian. I don't hide my Christianity, but I do not claim to be a Bible scholar, nor will I do whatever I can to convince you to see things my way. I won't do that. But if you want to talk about your religion, even if it's not Christianity, whatever, I'll be glad to help you think that through as well. So with that caveat, with that, I guess, disclaimer I I just made, that I'm not trying to alter your religious beliefs or make you have my religious beliefs, let's start. One time that I would definitely, in my own opinion, say is the time to quit, the time to stop trying, the time to give up, would be if your spouse not only has divorced you, but has now remarried another. Now, that's why I talked about the religion part up front, because there are some people who believe, well, no, we're still married in the eyes of God, and therefore I'm still married to my spouse, even though he is now married to that woman over there. And and that's why I made that whole thing about you follow your religion. But when it comes to what we do at Marriage Helper and what I personally do in trying to help couples, once either of you marry somebody else, I back off. And I say, look, you know, he or she is now married to this other person. That marriage now exists. Even if it didn't start the right way, and even if it's gonna turn out hellaciously bad, the fact that here she's married to the other person is when I say we're we we are out of the picture we will not try to help you anymore because that new marriage has taken place now Most of the time, that's not the case. Most of the time, the people who talk to us, the spouse has not yet married someone else. Maybe they're involved with somebody else, or maybe they're involved in that very different lifestyle they can't live if they were married. And people say, okay, all right, he's been gone six months. He's been gone a year. He's been gone a year and a half, or she's been gone two, or she's been gone three. At what point do I give up? When do I pull the plug? All right, here are the principles. You may remember... That we have often talked about on this program, if you're a regular listener, that people don't leave what they have, unless they believe what they're going to is better. And typically, we talk about that in the context of why did your spouse leave you? It would be because he or she viewed doing whatever it is they're doing now, being wherever it is that they are now as being better than being with you. And I know that's painful to hear, but listen all the way through, please, because we're now going to show how to apply that to you and your future. And so if your spouse is involved with somebody else in an affair, it's because at least in your spouse's mind, being with that other person is being better than you. And if you want to know more about how people get there and the things they think about, then listen to our programs on limerence. And you can see that, you know, we can explain how that happens. Or it might be, as I've already said, that he or she wants to live a lifestyle that cannot be lived while being married to you because married to you means having responsibility and living by certain moral values and, and being a good parent or whatever else, but they want to go out and party or drink or do whatever. And they can't do that and be married to you. And, and if they leave you, it's still the fact that they say that as being better than being with you. You understand that I wouldn't agree with their conclusions in either of those two situations I just described, but that's what they're saying. Or, or if living with you has been so bad, and I don't mean to hurt your feelings here either, but if you have been dominant or controlling or mean or whining all the time, I mean, if you have made life miserable for your spouse in any number of ways, he or she may feel that living alone is better than living with you because at least alone he or she has some peace while living with you. They don't because they feel so disrespected, so badly treated, so put down, so invalidated that they'll go and not want to come back to you. Now, we talk about those in other programs, so I'm not going to be talking about that anymore. I'm going to move on to the next part of that, which is this. You say, what? well, well <laughs> If I fight for my marriage, and again, uh, let me applaud the ones that do, for example, if you know that your spouse doesn't want to live with you anymore and has moved away because they feel oppressed or dominated or they feel, you know, all those things we talked about, controlled or like you, you make life absolutely miserable for him or her, then obviously the first thing you want to do is stop doing that. That would be crucial. Stop those things that are destroying the relationship. On the other hand, if he or she has gone off to live that different lifestyle or gone off to live with another person, you still work on you. And that's what our online course is all about called Save My Marriage. And if you want to check into that, then you go to marriagehelper.com. That's marriagehelper.com slash savemymarriage, all one word, save my marriage. And you can see an online course we have for you that will help you do the best you can to try to fix it. Now, you've been doing that for a while, let's say, now that we're talking about when is it time to call it quits? You've done the right kind of things. You've tried hard. You have worked on you and the kind of things we talk about in that course that I don't have time to explain here, such as improving yourself physically and intellectually and emotionally and spiritually and becoming as safe a place as you can possibly person so that he or she would feel safe talking to you, opening up, becoming transparent and vulnerable. Sometimes it still doesn't work. And now we get that principle and apply it to you. At some point you're gonna to need to decide what's better. In other words, if you are finally gonna call an end to this relationship, you're finally gonna end it. It's like I I am not going to fight any more. I'll give in to the divorce that he or she's been pushing for, or I'll go ahead and file the divorce because of the fact that he or she is out there in that valley where they seem to think they can do anything and I'll somehow some way take them back whenever they finally decide if ever to come back. Then look at your life, look at yourself and ask yourself a few questions. Don't give up what you have unless you believe what you're going to is better. You say, well, explain that Joe in this context. Okay. Let's say for example, and, and we'll start off with a really, bad illustration, but it can help make the point here. Let's say that your spouse has been uh, hurting your children, either because of the fact that he or she beats them mercifully. I don't mean a little pat on the bottom. I'm talking about the fact of drawing blood, like a woman told me a couple of months ago about her dad when she was at home, that one night he took his belt she had on her tight, blue jeans that teenage girls are wont to wear. And she was a teenager back then. And he beat her with that belt until the blood was seeping through her blue jeans. And she wouldn't let her take them off or take a bath. She had to sleep on the cold floor with no cover and no pillow in her bloody clothes. So then in the morning, in the morning that scabbed over and when finally she was allowed to take that bath and took those pants off, she ripped those scabs off. And it was excruciatingly painful for her. In that case, you might say, hmm, you say, don't give up what you have unless what you're going to is better. Getting my child out of a situation where the other person's going to physically do damage to my child like that. Again, not a pop up, you know, a little spanking on the bottom. But I mean, really doing damage to the other person. Then it's better to be alone. It's better to be without that spouse than to be with him or her. Or obviously with sexual molestation if your spouse is doing damage to your child, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And I don't mean just the fact that you don't like the fact that he or she is not a perfect dad or a uh, perfect mom. I'm not talking about that. We're not talking about looking for excuses. We're talking about real things. I mean, true reality where the other person is really doing damage to the child. And if you love your child, then in my opinion, it's the better thing for you to leave what you have because what you're going to is better. And what you're going to is better is for the safety or protection of the child. Or it may be that you're the one that's being beaten or you are the one who is being sexually molested. You say, can that happen in a marriage? Yes, it can. You know, there were just not that many years ago, it was like a, well, you can't be raped by your spouse. And now we've come full circle on that to going if you do something to this other person that he or she's resisting and does not want to have happen and you and you force them to do it violently or any other way, yeah, that can still be rape. And if your spouse is doing that to you or during the sexual encounter doing things to you that makes you feel all this repulsion not only toward your spouse but toward you. I mean making you mentally and emotionally sick because of the fact that you're doing it. In other words, if there are behaviors that your spouse is doing toward you, that is destructive to you, then maybe, maybe what you can have by being away from that spouse is better than what you had by staying with that spouse. Now, only you can make that ultimate decision. I can't. So make it about yourself, make it about your children, or, or you can also make it about your spouse. You say, what? I mean, if what you're doing is allowing him or her to live in such a way that's destructive to your spouse, then it still might be better that by leaving him or her or by ending, I mean, I'm talking about final divorce, by divorcing him or her, you may actually make it better for that spouse And I don't mean in the sense of, oh, okay, he wants to go, so let's let him be happy and I'll just divorce him because if he wants to go, I'm going to let him go because that makes him happy. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that he or she is in such destructive behavior that you're accepting them back again and again and again or trying to maintain that relationship with them, even if they're living someplace else where you act like everything is okay. Would it not be better for that spouse? To not be in that relationship with you, because in those situations, the relationship with you may actually be aiding and abetting the destructive behavior that your spouse is doing to himself or herself. Now, we can get into specifics later when people start calling and say, how do you apply that to this and how do you apply that to that? But those are the general principles. You decide to enter marriage when you finally come to the realization and, and feel confident in your decision that what's next is better than what I have now for my children, for me, or even for my spouse. And again, not just to make your spouse happy or not just because of the fact that you think it's too much trouble to get into. I mean, it's just taking a whole lot of effort here. Not really that, but in the sense of really what's going on here. And are you being destroyed or your children being destroyed? Is your spouse being destroyed? And so sometimes people say, I've been hanging in there for three years and he or she has never come back. As a matter of fact, the lifestyle seems to be getting worse and worse. How long do I stand? Well, take all the principles I just talked about and let me add one more to it. When finally in your own heart, you have the peace that the right thing to do is to end this marriage. If that peace isn't there, then don't. I talked to a lady just the other day and, and she was telling about her situation and I was explaining to her based on what you're saying to me, based on what I'm hearing It sure sounds like that for the safety, and in her case, it was emotional safety, and for the safety of her and for her child, and even because of the behavior of the husband, I said, you know, for your own sake, you may need to consider this. I'm anti-divorce. I try to save marriages. I never want people to divorce, if at all possible, to avoid that. And she said, yeah, I hear that. I hear what you're asking me to consider, but in my heart, I just don't have peace with that, to which I replied, then don't do it. You need to have peace in your heart. Now, for those of you who are religious, and particularly for those of you who are Christians out there, in Romans chapter 12, there's this thing that talks about how when you become a living sacrifice, that you can test and approve what God's will is. And and actually, and I'm not a Greek scholar, even though I took Greek in college, a to Greek, that's the Greek thing in which the New Testament was written, and that was way back in my undergraduate degree. I understand those words to mean, uh, try it on and see if it fits. In other words, it's like this, if if you're thinking, I'm going to go ahead, I can't take this anymore, my kids can't take it anymore, or it's even making the other person worse, I'm going to pull the plug, I'm going to do what it takes. If you still don't have peace in your heart, then wait. Don't do it yet. Because I think that you'll be second-guessing yourself from now on, is get to the point where you're just in your heart, you feel peace. This is the right thing to do. Now, sometimes, of course, you fight the divorce and you don't have to make the final decision. I mean, you fight it as long as you can. And ultimately it finally takes place and you have no choice as to whether it does or not. But if you've heard the principles so far, and I'm not going to talk more about them now until I start taking calls in a few minutes, but if the other spouse is remarried, in my opinion, it's time for you to be free and move on. Or if you come to the realization that what's next is better than what I have now, because what I have now is never going to work. It's causing damage to me and/or my children, and/or to my straying spouse. And then, when you finally get from that consideration, that evaluation, and maybe you want to talk to your pastor or your counselor or people who are wise and not prejudiced, and finally, you know, ask them about it. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm doing. And I say, don't Don't talk to people who are prejudiced. That means avoid the people who love you, because. When they love you, it's very difficult not to be prejudiced against that person who's hurt you. And then when you finally, and if you're a religious person, obviously pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. And when you finally have peace in your heart, then it's time to do it. It's time to pull the plug. You say, okay, does that mean it's over? Necessarily. You see, many people know our story, and I divorced Alice. Now, not for a good reason. I divorced Alice for a bad reason. I was abandoning her or another woman that I intended to marry and spend the rest of my life with because of this thing called limerence and is always the case with limerence. It's an intense, obsessive, possessive emotion. It is a kind of love that feels everything from absolute ecstasy to absolute misery. And it's really characterized by the chemicals that go with it in the sense of causing all that emotional roller coaster and this possessiveness and obsessiveness and, 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 actually what's called a focus illusion, a focus illusion is when I finally am with this person, my life is going to be amazing. That always wears off. And quite often when it does, and it can take up to three to four years, unfortunately, it can happen as short as three months. But when it does, then then that kind of thing is going to go away. And sometimes people will say, but, but, but my spouse who is in limerence with this other person, after that limerence is over, after they go through phase three and it finally ends, do you think they can still wind up a relationship and still live together or maybe marry each other and stay married for the rest of their lives? Is that possible? And the answer is, sure, it's possible. But there's still a great difference in limerence, which is that intense chemically induced thing happening in the brain, and whatever they're going to have afterwards. Most people, when they get to the end of phase three, actually, if they have left a marriage for an L low, a Limerick object, most of them wind up ending that relationship. And that's what happened to me. The ones that do marry have a high percentage of divorce likelihood, over 80% to 18% actually will marry and stay married of the ones who did get married, which is a minority of the ones that went through limits to begin with. Now I went through the Limerick's, my lover, after she went through phase three, left me. I tried to get her back. I did not immediately come back to Alice and ask her to take me back because now I had so vilified Alice, I had made her such a bad person in my mind so I could justify leaving her for this other woman that I had done a good job convincing myself of that and didn't want to go back to her. Plus, plus I had become quite enamored of the new lifestyle I was living, which involved a lot of liquor and drugs and strip clubs and all kinds of things. Three years after I divorced Alice, I asked her if she would take me back. Everybody she knew advised her against it, but she did. <laughs> and we remarried again and have been married 29 years this time. So the fact that you are divorced does not necessarily mean it's over forever. Please hear that. There's always a possibility. But that leads me to the next thing. And let me talk about this just for a few minutes. So what if it happens? What if your spouse winds up divorcing you, even though you didn't want it and you stood for your marriage or, or suppose, suppose you finally, based on the principles we talked about earlier and getting good, wise counsel and mentoring from other people decide, okay, it is being destructive either to my children, myself or to my spouse who's straying. And therefore I'm going to do this. And I have reached the point of having peace in my heart. And so, okay. I'm going to divorce. What do you do next? Okay, listen to these things. First of all, don't do anything rapidly. If you move too fast, you're going to wind up in trouble. People will give mental assent to that and then totally do the different thing. I remember a physician friend of mine years ago, his wife actually died. And the, the single mom next door started coming over to have coffee with him just to talk and to listen and to help him through his grief and mourning. And he married her just months after his wife died. I begged him not to. You're making this decision way too fast. You can't possibly know what you really want. I mean, you're reacting off of the pain. Don't do this. Other friends of his warned the same. He told us we were all wrong, that this woman was ideal. He married her. It didn't take long. I mean, just weeks into the new marriage, and he was looking at me saying, what have I done? This is miserable, so don't move too fast. That's the first thing, particularly if you're hurt. You say, well, yeah, but he's been gone three years, and I've been hurting for three years. I mean, isn't that enough? Probably not, because if for those three years you have been striving and fighting to save your marriage— then you really hadn't let go yet. You really haven't gone through the grief process and the healing process. And so please, please hear me. Don't move too fast at the same time. Don't completely shut the door after the divorce to the spouse. Alice moved on. She finally did start dating. She didn't do it rapidly. I guess she waited about a year after I divorced her. And she began to date finally. And she dated several different guys. And I'll talk about that in a few minutes until finally, finally she began to date one pretty much all the time. And when I called her back, she reminded me of that. Hey, don't you know, I've already started developing this new relationship. I mean, I'm seeing this guy and it's going pretty well. But at the same time, even though she was doing that, she didn't close the door on me. And so after divorce, I would ask that you still, if you will, without expecting the other person to come back, without living in hope that he or she will come back, that you will leave the door cracked so that if he or she does, you haven't moved on too fast, too strong where it can't be reconciled. But again, that's your decision. Okay. Then what sit down with paper, uh, you can type it if you wish, but actually you'll do a lot better if you write it. There's actually some interesting research out there that that when you write things with your own hand, that it uses more of your brain. Actually, interestingly, if you write in longhand, it uses even more. So maybe you get like a diary and you say, what am I going to do with this diary? Start writing down what you have learned from this experience. In other words, I learned this about relationships. I learned this about myself. I learned this about why my marriage went bad. I learned this about the pain that my children went through. You write down everything that you think of. Now, it won't be all in one setting. You might write some today and a little bit tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. And you write and write. And what you're doing is you're processing this whole thing through. You can write about your frustrations, your anger, your pain. You can write about what did work, what didn't work. But you're learning And you're learning this in a good way, because by writing it down, you're actually using more and more of that brain that helps you get more comprehension. And when you have done that long enough that you can see your own flaws, then you decide to change what needs to change about you. In other words, if when your spouse left, he or she said that you were controlling and dominating change that about you. If your spouse said, I couldn't talk to you with you being a safe place because I never knew who you were going to tell. And therefore I couldn't talk to you about things because I didn't want to hear it from somebody down the street or from the pastor or somebody else who came to me because of the fact that I couldn't trust you with my secrets. If that was the one thing you learned about you, then change. If you learned that you really didn't take care of your body in the way that you should, and I don't mean you have to be a supermodel or, you know, an Adonis, but that if you need to take care of your body, then Do that. Change in the process of all of these things. If you have children, if you have children, then make sure that they're taken care of in every right way. You say, what do you mean? Make sure that you don't throw your spouse. If you have children together under the bus, don't say negative things about him or her. Don't do that. That hurts the kids. You make sure that even in your pain, you're there for the kids It can be hard when you're hurting, but you be there for them and help them where they're hurt. Do the best you can not to let this fear that children have that come after a divorce or the anxieties or the asking themselves, is this my fault? Or the wondering, can I ever trust anybody that you do everything you can to help them with that if you have children? And then when you finally decide, okay, it's been a while. Now, you know, the rule of thumb is about a year. I can't say that, you know, you look at the calendar. Oh, tomorrow. I don't mean that. But the rule of thumb is about a year. when you finally said, okay, I think I am going to get back out there again. I'm going to maybe start dating before you ever do. Sit down and write down exactly what you want in the next relationship. Write down, what kind of personality you would like to be involved with, write down the beliefs and values this person should have that are crucial to you. And that if he or she doesn't have them as a deal breaker, write down all the things that are important to you. Like, you know, he's kind and gentle, and, and, or she's sweet. This person takes care of his or her body. This person is of my religion and not just in a facade fashion, but actually has it in his or her heart. I mean, you write down everything you want to write down that's important to you about who this next person is going to be. You say, what, what, what? you mean, we're going to order it from Amazon? (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) There may be a day, but not yet. But the more you know about what you want and who you would feel compatible with, the better off you are. And then remember this, if you decide to start dating, the kind of catch depends on the body of water in which you're fishing. May I say that again? The kind of fish you catch depends on the body of water in which you're fishing. And so if you're going to hang out where people are getting drunk and carrying on and that kind of stuff, then that'll kind of connect you to that kind of person. Whereas if you meet somebody at church, it'll be a different kind of person or somebody where you start taking adult classes, you know, a couple of nights a week over at the junior college or the big university. Or if you decide, I mean, think about where do I go and the kind of people who are going to be there. I don't want to, I want to know what kind of pond I'm going to be fishing in. And if, if you want to find somebody on one of those online dating sites, make sure, make sure that you use a good and reputable one. And then if you do start dating, Oh, Oh, and here's a crucial thing. I almost let this out before you start dating again. If you choose to date, make sure you've healed enough. From the hurt from what happened when your marriage ended, that it's okay with you when you're alone. In other words, that you don't need somebody to complete you or make things fulfilling. If you can learn how to be okay alone, that's a much healthier place to be and will really help in what happens next. And if you can't get there on your own, then you get a counselor, a therapist, a pastor, a minister, a rabbi, whatever. And get that person to help you reach that point where you can be okay to be alone. And then whenever you meet somebody, if you start dating, before you get serious, make sure that he or she is also okay being alone. Therefore, you're going to have a person that's not going to be clinging to you and just choking you down. You don't want that. You want to be in a relationship that's healthy. And again, after you've written out all these other things, like what religious beliefs do you want them to have, uh, morals, etc., all those things are very, very, very important. And then when you start dating, again, you're okay not being alone. So if you don't start dating right away, great. And, oh, one other thing, <laughs> be kind to your former spouse. After the divorce, be kind. Now, stand up for yourself. Don't let him or she, or her run over you. Don't let them cheat you financially. Don't let them not pay piles of, uh, child support to your children. I mean, you know, you be tough enough to make them do what they need to do, but otherwise be gracious and kind to them. And remember, and I've said it already, but let me repeat it. Do not, do not use your children as a pawn by throwing your spouse under the bus or sending messages to your ex through him or her. And after you're divorced, if your ex gets involved with another person, it's going to happen that your children will be around that other person. So you don't throw that other person under the bus either, not because you like them or what your spouse has done, but because you love your children and you don't want them to do any more damage to them. So I let go back when, if you start dating, if you start dating, then test every new relationship, be careful, go slow, watch out for limerence. Limerence is not a bad thing when two people have a right to each other. It's just not. But it can make you not think things through carefully. You say, so if I finally go into Limerence, does that mean I should run? Not necessarily. Limerence can be a good thing for two people to have a right to each other. But just be careful. Just don't let your emotions take over and control you so that one day you wake up and go, what the heck was I thinking? and then, and then. With this new person, introduce your kids, if you have them, gradually. I mean, don't bring them in on the first, second, or third date and expose them to the kids and the kids to them. Because if you do that and then you wind up dating somebody else and then somebody else and then somebody else later, it's going to confuse the kids. So just don't involve the kids to begin with. If a relationship begins to develop and, gets, you, know, and you feel like this is a good one, then okay. Yeah, okay. In that case, it's time to finally introduce the kids. But even then, in a way where this is my friend, and do it slowly, gradually, carefully. And then if you find somebody like that, that you think, you know, this could, this gets gone far enough. I can introduce this person to my kids. Before you get there, you find out people who know him or her and talk to them. hey what do you know about Charlie? I met Charlie the other day. Don't necessarily tell him all the things about Charlie and I've been out 10 times, but, but things like, Hey, you know, I heard that, you know, Charlie, Hey, what do you, tell me about his strengths and tell me about his weaknesses. I want to hear about Charlie, those kinds of things. i tell you what, on this day and time, I, I don't know if I might even have to say to the person, if it started getting serious, let's do FBI checks, background checks on each other. <laughs> let's do credit reports on each other because I want to make sure that you know everything about me. And therefore we're going to reciprocate and i know everything about you. I've got nothing to hide. Do you, I wouldn't do it early on. Or they'll run like a scared rabbit, but you know what you want to do is to make sure you check this person out. And, and if I were to get married again, I'll tell you what I would do. I'd write a contract. Now, I don't mean a prenup, not a prenup. Some of you might, because you have a lot of assets. I work for a nonprofit. <laughs> I don't, but the contract would be, these are the things that we commit to each other. This is the way we're going to fight fair. This is what we're going to do when one of us gets angry. This is what we're going to do when times get tough. Not a contract it's a legal document, you understand, but this thing of, that you both read through, write it together. Write it together. Get everything in there that's important to you, and then you both sign it. And I don't mean something where you must wash my socks every other day. Not that kind of crap. But things that are important to a relationship. And then understand the three basic components of romantic love. One is commitment. Make sure that you're willing to commit your life to this person and he or she'll commit to you. Number two is that you are going to have intimacy that he or she is comfortable taking bricks off their wall and letting you see who they really are, that they'll tell you things they're scared that if they told anybody else, they'd reject them. Make sure you've reached the point where each of you can be so honest and transparent and vulnerable with each other that you both feel safe. And then that you develop passion yeah, sex is involved in that, but I'm not really talking about sex. I mean, a craving for oneness that you truly want to be one with this person and everything you do in life, not just in the bedroom, and that he or she wants to be truly one with you. Well, those are the basic principles. Hopefully they help. Now, let's just start seeing if any of this is going to make any sense to anybody else out there by starting to take some of the calls that we have. And uh, let me get over here to that particular. Particular document and uh, and see what I can do here. Okay, we're going to. Uh, I believe this will be Greensboro, North Carolina. Area code three three six. Are you there? Area Hello. code three three six. Yes, this is yes. Joe, uh, Joe Beam. You're on the program with me. Can I have a first name, please? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Okay, Elizabeth. How can I help you this evening?
2: Um, <laughs> I've been trying to call in for a couple of weeks now and haven't made it. So now I'm not ready. <laughs> um. I guess I'm at that point where I'm trying to decide if what direction to go. Um, You know, most of or you've heard most of our story, and um, we've been to the workshop and met us and all the rest. And um, finally, just yesterday, um, I did finally tell my husband that he either has to end this affair or move out. Um, one or the other. So he has until Sunday to make that decision. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think I'm at that point yet, where I don't, where I'm not sure. I guess my question is more. Uh, I know that I still intend to stand and fight for my marriage, even if he does move out. Um, I'm not at that point, but I feel complete peace as far as asking him, telling him that he has to stop or move out. Um, uh-huh. And so I really appreciated you re-emphasizing that today, that to not act until you felt peace about it, and I did not until now, and now I do. So uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. and greatly appreciate that. But um, it just, you know, I guess more and more question is, even before giving up, when how do you know when to show patience and how do you know when to show tough love? And um, in, in both being, you know, kind, cordial, safe place and all the rest, but um, mm-hmm. that line between being patient with them and actually taking a stand <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and protecting myself.
1: Well, I understand that. And sometimes it's really hard to know where that line is. I agree wholeheartedly. I remember you now. You know, once you started talking, I've started, <laughs> okay, I've heard that voice. Let me see who this is. And I've got it. I know who, you're, I know who you are in okay. your situation. First of all, uh, let me affirm you. Because I did spend some time with you in a workshop and I got to know you. You are a strong person. You are an intelligent person. You're a godly person. I want to make sure that you know that about you. And now that you have gotten to the point of feeling peace am I making this demand, I think that makes sense. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just affirming you. Okay. Mm -hmm. And in that situation, if, if he says, no, I'm not ending it, what are you going to do?
2: Um, he has until Sunday and he has to well today is today is his first night ever sleeping on the couch. I mean or in another room. Um mm-hmm. his choice as far as he needs some time to think. Um mm-hmm. and kiss me goodnight. I mean, nothing hostile between us at all. Just mm-hmm. you know, you have he, he wants to think. Um, basically by Sunday if he chooses not to then he has to leave the house just because my body and my mind knows what's going on and understands it, but my body is rejecting the betrayal and just the, the turmoil. Um mm-hmm. so to give me some peace and because she does live two houses down, um gotcha. it's a constant it's never away from me. Um that he has to leave and has to tell our children why he's leaving. Um, okay. because they won't they don't Hello? Never even envision us even having issues unless mm-hmm. all that does go on. Okay, are you going
1: to be there with him if he does that? If he tells the kids, are you going to yes, be there?
2: definitely, Good. definitely.
1: Excellent, definitely. excellent.
2: Um, and that's probably his one hes- his hesitation. He 100% knows that as he feels right now, he, he loves both of us, does not want to leave home, but he would choose to be with her um, mm-hmm. just because it's easy and because of the limerence right. and because it, there's no conflict there. Um, mm-hmm. So and it's so a matter of... I-
1: Mm-hmm. I yeah. heard the question earlier that basically you're saying, okay, once I do that, what do I do next? Because I, I want to be kind and gentle, but I don't want to encourage the other thing, too. Is that what I was hearing?
2: Yes. Yeah. And even even if, if he chooses to leave or if he chooses to stay, I'm more scared, I think, if he chooses to stay. Because? Um, because we've, been, we've done it. This is our seventh attempt on this particular affair. This is not his mm-hmm. first affair. Mm-hmm. Um, this is his seventh attempt at trying to end it. And Mm -hmm. I know that I almost feel like he he almost has to be away and get it out of his system and and do Mm -hmm. some of that before he'll be able to end it. So Um, what I'm
1: hearing you say is is, if he leaves, you actually feel that's going to be more authentic than if he stays. That's what I hear you saying. Okay. Yes. And so if that happens, if indeed he stays and now you're not trusting, Mm -hmm. I would suggest my friend that you create an accountability system that would give you peace of mind in other words these are going to to be the things you do so that i can have peace of mind and i'm going to need to know all of these things and and we might have to live like this for six months nine months maybe even a year and that that you actually make those things happen because if you're if you're not going to be feeling peace of mind you've got to create a situation where you can would you agree with that
2: Yes yeah and we, and we've done this before unfortunately no
1: okay well, um, but this time, yeah, time but so really, this time builds some really this time builds some really intense consequences, in other words
2: okay
1: okay, you know most we usually recommend that you do it a tiered response, like the first one's not going right. to be as bad, the second one's worse, but because you've done this so many times, you may make it you know one and done like if I find any of these things and here's the next thing that's going to happen. And it's not just going to be that you're going to be out of the house. And I'm not, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just giving you ideas. Okay. That, that Mm -hmm. uh, that's when I'm going straight to the attorney and things are going to happen. And therefore you need to know that while I have been very gracious and merciful in the past, I can't do that anymore because my being gracious and merciful rather than helping you and helping our family has actually worked out the other way. And so for the sake of our children, the sake of you, the sake of me, no grace, no mercy. Here's what's going to happen, and I will do it. Now, if you do that, if you say that, you have have to to do do that. You do know that, right?
2: Right. Yes, and that's the part I have a hard time with.
1: (laughs) I know. I know you do, but but you were strong enough to give an ultimatum, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah,
2: and it's not. It, yeah, it's 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 not that. I think, it, it, and another whole aspect of it is, I truly do believe he's mentally ill. I mean, I truly do believe this is that he's not healthy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of part of the issue is he is on the medication, and mm-hmm. um, you know whether whether that is starting to work and whether you know that's having any impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so that does, I guess, create some leniency in me that I wish I didn't have. <laughs> right.
1: So how <laughs> um, long has he been on the medication?
2: It'll be four weeks on Sunday or Saturday.
1: Okay. And it was an SSRI, yeah. if I recall, right? In that case, uh,
2: no, he actually didn't. He didn't. He had to come off of that, and
1: oh.
0: that
2: he's mem- um, he he ended up testing out the opposite, where his serotonin is off the charts high, and his okay. dopamine is non-existent. So okay. he's on dopamine. Okay. Um, okay. Wow. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. It, it sounds so contradictory say, I mean, to the research, but I mean, I know you had the well, study no, no, no. done and the doctors.
2: When he test when he tested, he clearly told me he was not in Limerick at the time, that it was okay. over. And okay. it, it, I don't. I mean, that's just how it seems. But the research for low dopamine is just like insanely, crazily him. Um, okay. It's All just right. exactly what he is. So. All
1: right. So the bottom line then is this: you have given an ultimatum. <laughs> And what you're asking is, all right, no matter what he does, either way, what do I do next? And I think, my my friend, that the answer is this. It's either if he moves out, then you will have some peace of mind just by the fact that he's gone. Trust me, that'll happen. But you still be kind and gracious to him whenever you see him up into him. Or if he decides to say, stay that that you make boundaries stronger and tougher than you ever did before for your own peace of mind. And if there's any violation, I suggest that, that it come down strong and hard. I know you, you can do that. If you will do that and you're strong enough and you've got enough backbone in you that I think you can take this the way I'll mean it. Don't Mm -hmm. say you're going to do it. If you're not going to do it, you can do it. But make sure in your heart that you know you will if you're going to make those kind of boundaries.
2: Okay. Can you do that? That's what I'm working on. That's what I'm going to try to do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, really, I really am at that point, um, and I feel okay. good, strong and good. confident that you know, this has to happen So.
1: Yeah. I know without you love giving
2: that. up completely.
1: I know. I know. Yeah. I know you love that man. And and because I got it to be around him just a little, I don't think he's a bad man, but I am quite convinced no. he's a confused man.
2: Mm-hmm. Very.
1: Okay. Very. So. May, may, okay, may God well, give you great it. wisdom, my friend. Okay. Thank you. Okay. okay you thank take you, care Joe. Of yourself. All right. You're welcome.
2: Uh,
1: it looks as if tonight we may, and we got several callers out there, may be having a lot of people that I have actually talked to before And this next person, because I'm pretty sure I recognize this number, it's over in the other side of Texas, and I had asked him to call me back and tell me what was going to happen, and I'm assuming that's what this call is going to be. Area code 915, is that you?
0: Yes, Joe, it's me. How are you, sir?
1: I'm doing well. So what happened, my friend?
0: (laughs) Well, you won't believe this. I actually started to see vacillation back towards me right when I was... Just about, I actually saw an attorney and said, you know what? Well, I actually saw three attorneys Mm -hmm. and um, none of them was a gladiator. Like I liked, but I was kind of getting more at peace with, you know, filing. Mm -hmm. I was tired of the Valley. I was tired of being in limbo and, and you know, our story. Mm -hmm. But then last Sunday I pick up the kids and she's crying and I didn't say anything. I just, I hugged her and I said, I hope you're okay. Call me if you need anything. Uh And I left it at that. And the next morning, I woke up to text messages like things would be so much easier if I was just back home.
1: And And how did you respond to that, my friend?
0: Very, very calmly. I just said, well, um, it is still my hope that all of us are under one roof. Mm -hmm. And I left it at that. I didn't get into details. I didn't Mm -hmm. go on. I just left it at that.
1: May I give you a suggestion? Oh, go ahead. What did she say?
0: She said, I think about that every day. Okay. But then I left it at that. And then, okay,
1: go ahead now. All right. Here's my suggestion, my friend. Just a suggestion. You've got to do what you think is right. You know, (laughs) because we've talked to each other several times. You know I'm not going to tell you what to do, right? (laughs) You know that. So here's what I suggest. If she opens that kind of door again, sometimes when people do that, what they, what they really want is somebody to make their decision for them. And that's when you might do something like this. Uh, okay. Unless you tell me, no, I'm coming over to get you at three o'clock or I'm coming to get, I'm, I'm I'm coming to get you right now. And, but always say, if it's okay, with okay. Okay. This is what I want to do. If it's okay with you, I will. In other words, you make a decision for her without, pushing it on her. You understand? Cause nobody wants to be controlled or dominated, but if indeed in her waffling like that, that vacillation, if indeed she really is at a point where she, it would just be easier for her. If someone make a, made a decision, then very gently and kindly because you are a gentle and kind man. You right. will say, okay, I understand if it's okay with you, I'll be there in an hour or 30 minutes or whatever it might be. And, and then wait for a little response, okay? And if she says, okay, go get her. If she says no, then you text back and say, when you, if you change your mind, let me know. I'll be here. Something like that. So you're not pushing her, but sometimes people just really need to make just somebody to make a decision for them because they're, they're vacillating. And you're a gentle enough man, as I've already said, I'm being a little redundant. You're a gentle enough man that you can do that without being pushy or controlling. Hmm. Now, I'm not saying you did anything wrong I'm not saying, wow, man, if you'd have done that That's not what I'm saying, my friend I'm not saying that at all I'm just saying, if she opens that kind of door again That's something you might consider doing Pray about it, I know you're a religious man Ask God for wisdom And if that feels right Do it Okay. What are you thinking? I hear that mind of yours churning over there. I mean, you're way over in Texas and I'm in Tennessee, but I can hear your mind churning. So what are you thinking, (laughs) my friend?
0: (laughs) What I'm thinking is that, you know, I've done so many of the right things to do it and this program is perfect because you said like they're not responding and she hadn't responded for like four months. She, she just kind of went really cold, really professional. And then right when I was at peace, Joe, I kind of feel like Petra and, and Richard, right when she was about to give up, she said something would happen. And then mm-hmm. this happened. And mm-hmm. She's she's crying and she's telling me, she I didn't ask her what happened. Um, but then I get the text messages like I, do you have clothes for the kids? I said, no. She goes, if, God, if I was at home, everything would be easier, huh? Like all the clothes mm-hmm. would be washed and, and
2: mm-hmm. just things
0: like that. And I, I don't know what to do. I, I've been praying for wisdom and, Mm-hmm. you know i I told you last time I had a chance to let my wife 's affair partner 's mom know what was going on indirectly <clears throat> and i didn 't do it. I pulled away because I remember God as a god of justice, and I know that
1: mm-hmm. he 'll
0: fix it way better right. than I could ever do it and yeah. it could it could come back to bite me in the butt, but
1: absolutely you, my friend absolutely. I told
0: my friend not to do it, but i don 't know what to do anymore joe it 's kind of like she okay. took the kids Halloween uh, trick or treating mm-hmm. last night with mm-hmm. with her affair partner with this other yeah. woman.
1: Okay. And I'm, so, I'm, have you seen any vacillation since that texting the other day? Any at all?
0: Today, when we dropped when she dropped off the kids, she hugged me really tight, and I kind of looked in the mirror because we were standing next to the car, mm-hmm. and she was closing. She like had her eyes closed and a big smile, and she was hugging. She's okay. been, she hugged me for a while.
1: <clears throat> All right, but Okay, so I'm going to stick with my suggestion. Even that, I mean, whatever door she opens, my friend, if you feel it's right, if you feel comfortable doing it, don't do it if it doesn't feel right. Just go ahead and and, and offer that. Like, you know, hey, why don't we just do this right now? And just do it in a very gentle, sweet way. But, I mean, you will. I, I've already told you that, so I don't need to keep telling you that. Seriously pray about that and consider that because if, if my guess is right and you know, I'm only guessing, therefore, I, you know, I'm not God. Okay. But if my guess is right, if my guess is right and she's vacillating that might work, but but I can't guarantee it will, but it will might. And because you'll do it gently, at least hopefully it won't push her the other way. Right.
0: You know what, Joe, I took your advice a long time ago and it worked and you told me to start journaling and I did. And Mm -hmm. I said, why would she? And you know what? I was at her funeral the other day, uh, Sunday, and I forgot to mention this real quick. And when I dropped off the kids, Joe, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I broke down. I didn't cry, beg, or plead, but just seeing them leave, it's hard on me because I love my kids.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: she saw that. And I, I said, oh, I hope she didn't think that was crying, begging, or pleading, but I don't think so. But mm-hmm. it's because I miss my kids. And mm-hmm. Later on that day, Joe, I get a phone call while I'm at the funeral, so I go outside to take the call, and she says, "Hey, um, I just wanted to tell you that I love you, Avana. I, I love you. That's Good. it." All right, and then, that, that, and then she hung up, and I said, "Okay," and mm-hmm. I just said, "I love you too," and that was it. and, now, and I'm like, but then yesterday she takes the kids trick or treating with her girlfriend.
1: Yep, but she's vacillating, man. She's—it sure sounds to me like she's in phase three, but. All right, I've got to to get at least one more call in, my friend. But listen, you seriously consider that, my friend, okay? I will. And as always, let me know what happens, all right? Yes, sir. God bless you. Thank you, Joe. God bless you, my friend. And we're going all the way from El Paso to Manhattan, New York. Let's move over there. Hello, New York, 914. You're on the program with us. How can I help you tonight? Hey,
3: Joe, it's Tina. Tina, I don't know why
1: I did not recognize (laughs) your number, young lady. You're one of my favorite people (laughs) on planet Earth.
3: How are you? You're one of my favorite people, too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm so excited about this show tonight. Uh, When I saw it written up that it was going to be aired, I wanted to make sure i called in and as you know i've been waiting you know standing for my marriage about four years i usually tell people though it's really been two because i found marriage helper last year Uh, we went to the workshop and that was a huge wake-up call for me i saw a lot of the things that i wanted to change i remember um teasing Jeff King saying that I would like to drop my husband off on Friday and I'll be there on Sunday to pick him up. (laughs) So I'm very glad I went to the workshop. So I was able to start the process to heal me and work on me and doing the pies. And then the 10-week course came along in August of last year, and that just further solidified my need to change and help me grow um, I don't uh, have any children as you know, I have a stepson mm-hmm. I've definitely opened the door for him to contact me at any time it doesn't make it easier um, that you don't have kids but I'm grateful that they don't exist that's for sure I uh, I but understand. I have I have moved on now I have peace in my heart um, I do feel it's better like you had touched on some points I, I feel it's better for him because his destructive behavior now will only destroy himself Right. Um, and he, it's all on him Mm -hmm. Um, I do feel good. I'm not fighting anymore to stop the divorce, so I'm just letting it go through. Uh, I believe it will be probably all done in less than a month, which is really uh, amazing. Yeah, it's wow. Mm. Um, But I don't look at it as a failure. Uh, I look at it as, you know me, I look at it as a success because of all the things that I've learned. And I had Mm -hmm. a chance to sit down, actually, with my husband um, about a month ago. And we, he kept his sunglasses on, but I was looking at him through with my eyes and Uh telling him all the things that I've been uh, achieved and doing and everything. And he has Uh seen it now for over a year. And he even said, he goes, wow, you're going to take all of that and put it into a new relationship. And I went, that's right. That's exactly Uh what I am. And I am doing it. I had the chance to meet somebody pretty incredible, Uh, recently, and spending a lot of time with him, and definitely taking it slow, as slow as I possibly can do, Uh, everything that you said. When you said about writing it down, I remember being in grade school and writing it down, what my future, Mm -hmm. you know, life partner would be like. Mm -hmm. And so that's so funny that you you said that again, because it really is important to focus yourself on really what you want, and then go back when you meet that person and, and see maybe are they hitting those points or maybe there are even better points. Right. Um, the other thing is the, you touched about um, education. I would also add their work ethic. I would add their, of course, oh, yeah. you talked about religion, but also their interests. You know, there's a lot of things out there to meet other people. You don't necessarily have to go to a bar because usually you just meet alcoholics there anyway. Uh, but there's interest, that, you know, com- combining interest. And in, in the Northeast, we have something called meetup groups. And you meet up with other people that have like-minded interest with you so there's a meetup mm-hmm. group for bike riding there's a meetup group for hiking there's a meetup group wow. for chess uh, piano all of these things so there's a lot of there's a lot of avenues out there to meet awesome. other people I was go. just lucky enough to be venting with my girlfriend about my husband, and this poor guy was sitting in front of us and heard it. And he turned around and he said something very nice, and then he said that he was going through it too. So, you know me, I go into the marriage helper mode. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we just, um, you know, been spending a lot of time together. It's really kind of nice. So, and I do have peace in my heart for all of it. Good. And well, I have to thank, say thank well. you.
1: Well, you're very welcome. I thank you. And I feel sorry for this man who's losing you. He's losing a, I mean, a, the best thing that ever happened to him. And, and I'm, think, I'm glad you're moving slow because you know how much I think of you for the people listening. Tina is also one of our admins in our Facebook groups and, and, and a frequent guest on this program where I bring her home to be the guest. And just tell this guy this one thing for me, okay? Just say, look, I've got friends in Tennessee who say, if yeah. you don't treat me right... That they'll that you'll never be seen again. There's places in Tennessee where they don't find bodies, so let him know yeah. that <laughs> okay
3: I will I will right. but you also talked about the marriage contract. The other thing is go to the workshop. you know I plan uh, whoever I definitely refocus my attention on, I'm definitely going to that workshop before I ever get married again. I think that's an asset
1: to have that. Great. I hope you do. And, and before I take this very next call, I'm going to take one more call right after this. Let me tell you this, gang. Mm-hmm. We we still have a little room left in our November workshop here in Nashville and our December workshop in Nashville. And and for those who are listening to Tina and all that we've said, these workshops are not magic, but they really do work for most people, even the ones that don't wind up together. Like Tina winds up saying, this is a good thing. Yep. And if you want to uh, find out about it what you do is you call 615 Oh my goodness, see not just a different blank on our number. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know our number. Go to marriagehelper.com, com. I cannot believe I can't remember our phone number. This is terrible. All right. Uh I don't guess you happen to know it
3: just on the you. No, not in front of me, but we're also not giving out Johnny's cell phone anymore so I know the number is different.
1: Oh boy. <laughs> I can't believe this. i I tell you what I'm going to do very quickly. You talk another second while I look something up right here, okay?
3: All right, go look. Well, I'm just going to talk a little bit about the workshop. The workshop, for me, changed completely, completely. I went into it thinking that it was all him and not me, and just the – first day actually when you're there you're in a room with other people and you're listening to joe and his staff speak to you and that's when the lights first started going on to me and then in the breaks that just further i mean it just the room got brighter for me that's for sure i uh i attribute the workshop to changing my entire life and that guy is very, very lucky. You're absolutely right because not only am I t- teaching, not only am I able to show what I've learned, I'm also teaching him which is awesome. Also.
1: Good for you. Yep. Well, I, I did find yep. our toll free number so that's even better. If you want to call and find out about the workshop and again, we got a, a few openings in November and in December and the one in Nashville. Our toll free number is 866-903-0990. That's 866 866-903- 903 0-9-9-0. Tina, thank you so much for calling. I want to try to get this one more call in, okay? Thank you so all much right. for all you God do bless. for people. Thank you. God bless you. Let's go all the way over to Illinois now. Hello, area code 618. You're on the show. Are you there? Well, I guess number 618 is not there. Sorry about that. We'll have an exciting program for you next week. We've got some really good ones coming up about how to stop ruminating about your pain. In other words, how to overcome, how to actually get healthier inside your own mind. I've got a friend of mine who is an expert on that. He's going to be on soon and I'm very soon going to invite Richard and Petra back on with their story. And so we'll see you next Tuesday night at nine o'clock. Thank you very much. Nine o'clock central on Mary's radio.